0: Yo, <laughs> fan this, this
1: podcast. Hello and welcome to the all-time misfit podcast, where you have yours truly, little b at Brunelli Sports, Chris, aka Hater at Supercharge 33 and Tyler at T underscore Dement. We have two very special guests with us this week from the Downtown Sports Network. And the Downtown Rams podcast. Jake at JK Brogan DTSN and Alexis at the Alexis Craft. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for
2: having us. Thank you so much for having us.
1: Yes, we've had Alexis before. She was a great guest. So we brought her around. And then uh, we also mentioned after her that we would have to bring on her co host from downtown and uh, bring in Jake. So thank you for coming on again. So uh, we'll go ahead and get into today's uh, podcast and talk about Thursday night and the Packers versus the 49ers. Uh, That was a good game. Of course, for the Packers fan and myself, uh, it was fun to watch our offense finally start getting back and clicking. Our defense was finally playing a pretty decent ball, but I'm not trying to take anything away, but it was against a Niners defense without, you know, their first three starting running backs, all their wide receivers, and missing a couple huge key pieces on that offensive line. So I really don't want to give them a, too much credit yet but it was a good game aaron Rodgers is uh balling out since the Jordan love uh, draft pick and uh Devontae adams might just be the best wide receiver in the nfl um what do you think about the game there jake from a uh, thursday night
3: yeah you know i thought it was uh i thought it was exciting i, I love points and i know that the 49ers are bad but you know, I'll be honest with you. Um, I like watching uh, the Packers. I like watching Aaron Rodgers operate. Um, you know, I, I like watching him get everyone involved. I think he spreads the ball around very well. And you know, anytime you have a you know a player like Devonte Adams on the field, you know, with a guy like Aaron Jones, um, it's always fun. Plus, I think they got their defense somewhat going. Um, you know, they're not using Preston Smith out in uh, you know coverage. I saw that that screenshot. Was he playing corner the other week? Uh so it was cool to actually see him, you know, using him correctly. And, you know, I'd I'd love to see Mike Pett really get that defense going. Not really so much as a Rams fan, but more so as a football fan, because if he does, they're gonna be a tough team uh, to beat in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, uh if you've listened to these any episodes, I've loved to bash on Mike Petson. He is uh was a great defensive coordinator, uh and I don't know what's happened over the reasons he's left and now he's come back to being our defensive coordinator but he schemes very poorly he's done it multiple times throughout the year i mean he's using his players inefficiently and there should be no reason with much talent uh, on draft wise and free agency wise for our defense to be struggling like they are so yeah if we can't get our uh, if he can't get them schemed right and playing right we can be finally dangerous and give aaron Rodgers the much needed help that they've needed alexis what do you think about thursday night?
2: Um. I agree with Jake. I always really like watching the Packers play because of Aaron Rodgers. I just think he's really fun to watch. So I always look forward to it. Um, And I always look forward to Packers 49ers just because of that kind of Aaron Rodgers storyline there uh, with the 49ers and kind of the, um, I guess you could call it bad blood uh, that he has with them. So that's always interesting. Um, My only regret about that game is that I left, Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling on my bench which I am pretty upset about it because I could have used the help this week but uh, other than that I thought it was great I wanted the Packers to win
1: yeah I definitely feel yours on MVS, but I mean it was the right decision to leave him on your bench because uh, he showed multiple times throughout the first throughout the game before the touchdowns that he can't catch a cold most weeks or most days um Tyler what do you have on Thursday night
0: yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers looked great. Um, and, you know, like you kind of said, um, you know, the Packers, they took care of business against a team that they, they you know, was supposed to uh, take care of. So, I mean, you being a Packers fan, that's that's a good sign because really the 49ers had no business being in that game anyways, and they took care of business.
1: Yeah, that's very much so. And always a reminder to everybody, yeah, the scoreboard might say something else, but the reason the Niners put up those two late touchdowns because that was pretty much our third string defense because of all of our injuries. Plus, we were just handling them, so they gave some of uh guys who don't get much down some playing times just to give them some experience. So uh, those uh touchdowns came because fifth our fourth fifth string corners were in the game and our second third string defensive line and fourth string linebackers are in the game. So. As you can see, there's a lot of miscues on defense late in the game. Ju- you know, same corner, jumping one wide receiver. So, yeah, I mean, don't let that get to you. But, uh, Chris, what do you have on to the, uh, the Thursday night football game?
4: Uh, Patton and the nine and nine they end up. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm worried that Patton's one time. And they have a lot of injuries on that defense, and and. That that's not good as, as it is already. So no, We
1: we are getting Kristen Kirksey back this upcoming week.
4: Oh. Oh. So. The whole time I'm I lost Pat and Oh, I wish they had like every, <laughs> every week. Every I, I,
1: I do too. Trust me, I do too. I mean, but that that just comes back going back to Mike Petton and scheming players and using the player wrong. I mean He obviously used um, Blake Martinez wrong for three years, and now Blake Martinez is just dominating in the New York Giants, which I'm happy to see because I always love Martinez. But, yeah, um, and uh, I had something else to say about the game, and I completely just uh, brain farted. So we'll just keep on moving on and uh, talk about uh, tonight's game, the Sunday night uh, predictions. And uh, I'll go ahead and let one of our guests, and I'll let – Jake, start with his uh, Sunday night predictions, the Tampa Bay versus the New Orleans Saints.
3: Yeah, so we've already seen this, uh, you know, at, in New Orleans. Um, we saw that, the you know, the Buccaneers weren't fully acclimated. Their offense didn't look uh, the way it has looked. Um, their defense didn't look that great. Uh, but, you know, the power of this season moving along and building continuity, um, you see now in week nine, you know, this is a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that has a chance to, you know, grab hold of the number one uh, overall, um, you know, seed in the playoffs. And so I look at this game and I think, you know, I, a lot of people are going to think, you know, Brady Breeze, and this could be a showdown. But I honestly think the Saints are kind of fake. I think they've won a few games that they shouldn't have won. And uh, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a threat and you know, one my biggest thing against Tampa Bay has been on the road. Um, you know, they they haven't looked as you know sharp, uh, but they're at home and they're getting Chris Godwin back, who I think is their best receiver. Um, you know, you have obviously Leonard Fournette; he's been hurt pretty much the whole year, on and off. Um, now he's had two two weeks to, to get back to health. I think he'll have a a big portion of the offense. Plus, you know, you got to love his ability as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, which is something that he wasn't supposed to be able to do uh, coming out of LSU. Um, so I, I think this team is going to kind of have its way with the saints, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being a game because it is Brady breeze uh, and Michael Thomas will be back for the saints. But to be honest with you, I think the saints are kind of the paper tiger and I think the Buccaneers win uh 34 20.
1: Yeah, that's a, uh, I agree with a lot and pretty much everything you said. I mean, um, I could easily see it going any way, being a game where the Tampa Bay Bucks destroying them. Uh, it definitely shows that Brady Brady might have was never a a system quarterback like a lot of people thought he would be. He is obviously uh doing a lot better than uh, Bill Belichick is doing without him. Uh, I you know the one big thing we'll, uh Jake forgot to mention you know talking about best wide receiver you know this week the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be having Antonio Brown on their roster. And I think he will be seeing a lot of targets. I think he'll at least see five or six targets tonight, which will help that offense. You know, I mean, Brady can just pick and choose who he wants to. You know, he has three number one wide receivers on his roster and Evans, Chris Godwin and Brown. I do agree with you uh, with Godwin being the best wide receiver on the roster. I said that at the beginning of the year in our top five wide receivers episode. I put in Chris Godwin over Mike Evans. One of my two co-hosts had uh, Evans as the, number one, you know, a top five receiver in the league and not Godwin. Um, I honestly see, see it being a both ways. I really don't need Leonard Fournette uh, going off. I'm really close into one league and I need him to kind of just get hurt one more time. Uh, but talking about injuries, you know, Chris Godwin's been suffering injuries. He's had three different injuries all year long. So you got to keep out and see how much he actually does play tonight. Definitely with having Antonio Brown. Um, but I, I'm going to go with uh, Tampa Bay here with like a, 38 to 24 kind of score i think it can be easily double point victory for the tampa bay bucks and agree that the saints are definitely not a contender this year but the bucks easily are probably a heavy favorite in the nfc uh alexis what do you have for the sunday night football
2: um i think that tampa bay is going to win pretty easily i mean the thing with the saints is as good as as good as Drew Brees was, I do think he's on the decline. I just don't think he's been himself this season. Um, I know that Mike Thomas is coming back, but I think that you know he's obviously coming off a pretty bad injury. I don't think that he's going to be at at full speed yet, so I'm not sure how much of a contributor he's going to be. I do think the Saints are going to have to rely heavily on Kamara this game. But you know, the thing with the Bucs is is their offense uh, is loaded. I mean, Tom Brady has all the weapons in the world. Um, they've added another weapon in Antonio Brown, um, so I, you know, expect them, you know, going up against Santa. Uh, I mean, the Saints' uh, defense. I think that the Bucks' offense is going to do really well. So, if I had to make an, a guess on a score, I would say, you know, the Bucks winning like twenty-eight to seven sounds about about right to me. Um, you know, I just think that that all around the Bucks are a pretty solid team. Especially offensively, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if they blow out the Saints.
1: Yeah, I yeah, you said everything right. And one thing we didn't, you mentioned that we didn't mention is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a legit defense and can easily stifle this uh, New Orleans Saints offense. Um, but I'll go ahead and pass the buck off to uh, Tyler. Tyler, what's your Monday, uh, Sunday night predictions?
0: Yeah, I um I, I agree with a lot of everything that everybody said so far. Uh, I got Tampa Bay too. Um, they they're they just they're clicking right now and you know I I don't really love the Saints anyways um, I, I don't think they're really that good of a team and I agree that they're that Tampa Bay wins tonight and I, I'll go with um thirty one twenty one
1: that's good I want to go ahead and pass it off to Chris Chris what do you have for Sunday night
4: man you no, know, disrespectful. You really just look the face defense like that. The face defense is really good. I think you're that, uh, good. That corner is going to lead. You know, I'm not a huge fan of him. I am lazy. But when that move is not lazy, he's one of the best corners in the league.
1: Yeah, but that's one corner versus and three.
4: They got, number one and they got receiver. three, four. They got two lost-up players. And... Gronkowski, and, and, and Tony Brown hasn't played in two years now.
1: Can you say so Gronk hey. is washed up after the four
4: weeks he's had in a row? Ooh, that, that touchdown, ooh. Um, My opponent's the They got My uh Sanders is back. Um, Smith is really good. I do
1: um and only but I have to say, Wow, just so you know, Rob Gronkowski, who's washed up last three weeks, seven five for 78 in a touchdown, five for 62 in a touchdown, four and 41 for a touchdown. He doesn't need to have his 10 for 100 yards in a touchdown anymore. That's pretty good tight end numbers to say he's washed up. I mean, he has 26 receptions, okay, 300 okay, yards. Oh old i just you know i had to defend him he's he's balling out since uh uh oj howard went down with the injury and he's getting more into the offense but we'll go ahead and uh keep moving on and we'll get into the news uh i guess the biggest news uh that dropped today is uh pete carroll getting a multi-year extension i probably bet our two ram fans on the podcast are probably not loving that keeping him around in the division for a little bit longer so I'll go ahead and pass it off to Jake. Jake, what do you think on the Pete Carroll extension?
3: Well, you know, I think it's kind of a no-brainer with the Seahawks. Um, You know, obviously he has pretty much changed the culture of that team since he came there. Um, You know, as a a fan of USC, I'm not the the biggest fan of him. I understand what he did for the program, but the way he left them in shambles, he's just never been my favorite. But when he went to the Seahawks as a Rams fan, he really has not been my favorite. Uh, Consistent winner. You just have to give credit where credit's due. Um, You know, he's really kept that team above water no matter what. And I do think Russell Wilson deserves, you know, just as much, if not more credit, because I do think a lot of those teams that made the playoffs weren't playoff teams if you take Russell Wilson off that team.
1: Yeah, very much so true. Yeah, I don't think I could add much more there. So, Alexis, what do you have on uh, Pete Carroll?
2: You know, I'm not surprised by this move. I mean, he's had a lot of success um, with the Seahawks. I don't really know how much of that is um, contributable, contributable, however you say it to him. But, um, you know, I've never been like a huge Pete Carroll fan, but I don't like dislike him as I know a lot of people uh, dislike him for various reasons. But um, I'm not surprised. They really like him up in Seattle. The team loves him. The city loves him um he's been there for a while so I was not surprised at all to see that that he got that contract
1: yeah I don't think anybody could be really surprised to see that he got it I mean just to throw some numbers out there his first year as a grad assistant and as being a coach was in 1973 he is going to be 70 when the new season starts in 2021 I think that's probably the more shocking news of giving him an extension is that he's no spring chicken I mean he definitely still runs and plays like one but coaching is a heck of a job to have, and it does uh, take a wear down on you. So how many more years of Pete Carroll are you going to get? Uh, so, Tyler, what do you have on Pete Carroll?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not surprised that this extension happened either. I mean, I mean, in my opinion, I mean, Pete Carroll's definitely a top five head coach in the league. Um, I mean, it, it's I think it's a great move on both sides. I mean, Seattle what, has to be, um, you know, thrilled to be keeping him around. And, Anybody in that division probably is, is going to be hating that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Chris, Pete Carroll.
4: Oh, it's an obvious move here. He's basically the best coach of that franchise, more than none. Um, but what, he's going to be a Hall of Fame. Or, I think a Hall of else. Uh, he's making some really... That team to the playoffs, you know, that, that team that beat the Saints in the playoffs, that east that the was her not a good team. Yeah, that was not a good team. He just takes those teams to the playoffs. There's something about his his, uh, his aura that makes him good.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I'll i say this before moving and on. And
4: no one I'm a U.S. Heat fan, so...
1: I used to be a a UFC fan and a Pete Carroll fan back in when he was back there, and I liked him when he got the uh, Seattle job. But honestly, as a Packer fan, I've hated him and the Seattle Seahawks since the fail Mary sitting there acting like they won that game, and damn well know for a fact they did not win that game, and that if it wasn't for replacement refs, the Packers would have had that game. And then what really pissed me off was years later when they came into our house. And we had a fumble that we recovered. And then they complained about, oh, that was our ball and everything. It's like, really? You're going to come into our house and complain that a ball went our way after you get in a game? So I've always held hatred in my heart over those two things. But he is a good head coach. And I'll congratulate him and hope – not hope for the best for him, but hope that he keeps continuing. Because he does have 139 wins and a Super Bowl. So, I mean, he is probably – near the precipice of being a hall of fame coach i mean if some other players and coaches get in i mean why can't he so uh we'll go ahead and move on we'll just uh go over it really fast we won't really talk much about the game unless somebody really wants to uh i just wanted to bring up the notre dame uh upsets clemson and talk about the protocols going on in clemson and in college football really fast about trevor lawrence how can somebody not play football and say that they have to be away from the program because of COVID-19 and that he's a positive case, but then is allowed on the field during the game wearing a mask? But half more than half of the times when you saw him, he didn't have his mask on or he had it down and talking. So it's like, what is the NCAA and what is Clemson doing here? Like how, like if he's going to be on the sideline doing that, why is he not just playing the game? Um, I also think the big reason that Notre Dame did pull out the upset is Trevor Lawrence. Yes, I mean, the backup who's been playing is the truth, but you still can't replace Trevor Lawrence. He is a playmaker. He is a difference maker, and I would have loved to see that game with Trevor Lawrence in at quarterback, but uh, I'll go ahead and pass it off and see if Jake has any comments about uh, the Notre Dame-Clemson game.
3: Yeah, so, you know, I ended up turning this game on because Les is a big Notre Dame fan, and I don't like Clemson's. I was like, oh, I'll just watch this with you. We'll text throughout it, and it'll be fun. So, threw it on. You know, definitely an impressive win for Notre Dame. Uh, You know, I thought, you know, Ian Book was phenomenal when he needed to be. And, uh, you know, they absolutely deserved to win that game. And, you know, for people saying that they only won because Trevor Lawrence didn't play, um, you know, DJU was not somebody that I would exactly say was a slouch in that game either. Uh, You know, he didn't come through at the end, but I thought he was very good. And, and what only his second game. So uh, he's 19 year old. I thought played pretty well. Um, as far as the COVID thing though, um, you know, I kind of agree. It's a little silly to me that, you know, you're going to say that he can't play, uh, but you're going to allow him on the sidelines with the mask on and then not throw a fit. Cause I didn't see, I think he took his mask off at some point. Um, but really that, that whole thing, everything that happened was kind of silly. Because it's kind of like, you know, we're going to push, you know, COVID and the spread of it, then we're going to allow all these kids to to fly on the the field and and celebrate. Um, You know, I just feel like there's been a lot of hypocrisy when it comes to COVID-19. There has not been consistency. Um, You know, I, I always found it kind of weird if everybody on the same team gets tested and everybody on the same team is fine, you know, you know, just kind of, Xing out Trevor Lawrence in this regard. Then why does everybody need to wear a mask around each other
1: uh, yeah.
3: on the sideline? I,
1: I agree. That that was big my big thing at the beginning of the year where your head coach for the Los Angeles Rams was getting attacked for not wearing his mask most of the time. I'm like, he goes through the same protocols that all the players do. He probably gets more protocols because he's the head coach. And you got these fourth string linebackers or players that never see the field and never wear a mask, but the coach has to wear a mask. I always felt the hypocrisy there is like they go through the same protocols as the players. There should be no reason that the coach has to wear a mask that the players don't have to wear. But uh, Alexis, what do you have on the game?
2: Um, so, I mean, I obviously am a Notre Dame fan, so I was cheering for Notre Dame. I thought that they had a really good chance of winning it. Um, I don't really think it would be that crazy, though, to say that even if Trevor Lawrence was out there, I think Notre Dame still would have a chance. Would they have pulled it off? I'm not sure, but, you know, I do think Notre Dame's defense um, is one of the most underrated college defenses uh, right now, and, you know, they played really, really well um, against Clemson, and Clemson, you know, other than their quarterback, they were at full strength, so um, you know, they still had a lot of talented guys out there, but As far as the Trevor Lawrence thing, um, I I saw this on Twitter. I I have no way of confirming this. I'm sure somebody could confirm it. But apparently the reason he wasn't allowed to play, even though he keeps testing negative, is part of the NCAA protocol is to also administer like a cardiovascular test um, after you test positive for COVID. and, And he had not had the chance to take that test yet before the game. So I think that that was the reason that he was allowed to be on the sideline because he's not Uh, Contagious per se, but he has to pass through the uh, the cardio test before they allow him to take the field again. So um, again, I have no way of confirming that. that I just read a couple tweets about that. Um, I know another large part of that game, people were like confused why the Notre Dame fans were storming the field. I certainly thought that it was probably unwise um, to storm the field like that. Um, Again, another tweet that I saw, um, and I have no idea if this is true. Again, this would be easy to find out, but Apparently, um, if the students who want to go to the Notre Dame games, you have to get COVID tested before you go. Um, I, and this sounds a little out there to me, so I don't know how true this is because it seems like it would be kind of hard to pull off. But apparently, if you test positive for COVID, your ticket gets, like, deactivated or they have, like, a really weird system that they have set up for the students in, in testing for COVID. So the theory was that no one there, uh, everyone there had tested negative for COVID. That could easily not be true um but even if that's the case I still kind of felt like storming the field was probably like a weird thing to do but I get it because you know it's a big deal to beat Clemson so um I definitely understand how that was in the news but overall I thought the game was good it was close it was fun to watch um and my team won so I can't complain
1: yeah I mean the big thing when I talk about Trevor Lawrence is uh I mean yeah obviously Notre Dame won good congratulations for Notre Dame but my big thing is when I say that you know They might have not won because of Trevor Lawrence. You can't replace Trevor Lawrence's leadership. Yeah, he's on the sideline, but it's a lot different than not being on the field and being the leader on the field. I mean, yeah, uh, the quarterback and the freshman uh, played out of his mind and probably met all the statistics that Trevor Lawrence would have done, but not being the leader that he is, that Trevor is for that team is really where I was going with uh, my comment. Um, And, you know, another thing, I mean, I, that probably makes sense. I mean, it makes no sense that a school can't uh, test all their kids if they want to go to the game and do everything. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I, after watching a uh, hard knocks and seeing how the NFL is handling it with those bracelets, I always said that colleges should do that for their kids. I mean, just add it to their expense for the year or on their thing to have that. So you can always have an active, tractive active tracking for a uh, uh, COVID cases for your school, so there wouldn't be a massive breakout. I always thought that would be a smart idea to do, but uh, I'll go ahead and pass off because Chris, I know he had some big comments on this game. So, Chris, what do you have on the Notre Dame Clemson? Oh, uh,
4: first of all, you know, we were talking about officiating last week. This like the most officiated game I've ever seen. Um, they had a call on Clemson. Almost in the end of the game, like two minutes left. And then they. Uh, not NATO is yelling at the referee. It's on the Crimson sideline, and NATO 3 is yelling at the referee. And then all of a sudden the referee count they all get together and they take the penalty away. Like, I'm, are you really gonna let. A head coach dictates how you let was of the game. Obviously, it was a pass in and, off, and then for now it picked up the and that hurt how no was in the game. It, once again, we, we have, um, it's just have um, on But this game is terrible. Someone about uh, I don't know. You know, um, not having him in the game, that's like not having Peyton Manning. Um, you can't replace Peyton Manning after uh, the never Broncos if they're trying to do that. The, like, um, As far as the fans going in the field, I uh, that look from Notre Dame. That's all I got to say about it.
1: Yeah, so we'll go ahead and keep on moving. Uh, we'll move on to a, a mailbag question that we have coming in today. Uh, and our first mailbag question is, uh, which player are we signing if we are running an MLP, MLB team this offseason? So uh, I'll go ahead and let uh, Jake start. What ML, uh, What player are you signing if you are running your MLB team there, Jake? If
3: I'm running an MLB team? yes um like baseball
1: yes sir baseball okay
3: i, I just wanted to make sure i like are you talking about like free agents or just any? yeah
1: yeah i mean it, it could be free agents but yeah who's your i mean I, you know what i'll even expand on the question what player are you going to sign for your team or what player are you going to make a trade for to make your team better
3: that's a good one. Well my team's the Yankees. So I mean I think Oh
1: God. Right now, All right, we're moving on.
3: No <laughs> you asked. Uh, <laughs> so I mean compared Sanchez and the way he's struggled, he's been on and off. I think I'd I'd be going after um JT Real Muto because I think you know the the, the Yankees really need some consistency with their catching. And you know, in the playoffs they really they went ahead and, and they went with uh Higashioka. And I just feel like Jerry Sanchez, I know he was supposed to be a superstar, and I, I hate saying that, but he is just so ungodly and consistent that I don't think the Yankees can take it anymore.
1: Yeah, he was. I remember his first couple of years, he was supposed to be the next hot, like, oh, God, this is the not, not miss power hitting uh, catcher. And then, yeah, he's kind of just fell to the wayside over the last year and a half. Um, Alexis, what about you?
2: Well,. I'm not like, I'm not super knowledgeable about like MLB free agents and all that, but I, I'm a Cardinals fan. And if anything, um, I really want to resign Yadier Molina. I know that he's obviously not as good as he used to be, but he's still pretty solid defensively and, and he hits. I mean, he still plays um, honestly at a high level. So, you know, I would like to resign him. I know that he's a free agent now, but he said that he wants to play, and he wants to play in St. Louis, so I hope that they get that done. Um, Adam Wainwright is someone who kind of openly is uh, considering retirement, but might come back for one year. I would love for him to come back um, and pitch for a year. He's somebody who kind of fell off for a little bit, but then he came back uh, this past season and was really good, so I, I'd love to see us bring him back, and then Colton Wong uh, I'd like to bring back. I mean, a gold-glove guy. Um who's really fun to watch. And he is, uh, the Cardinals didn't pick up his option, but they're apparently still, you know, working something out. So, um, you know, just re-signing guys. I think the Cardinals, uh, the Cardinals have a, a, a bad um, history of letting guys walk and then also trading guys who end up becoming really good. And I don't know if that's just the Cardinals bad luck or if the coaching is just bad. At the Cardinals, but, you know, Luke Voigt, uh, was a Cardinal, and, and we traded him for some pitchers because we've had a pitching problem for the past few years. And then Luke goes to the Yankees and, and you know and leads Dale in, in home runs. And then uh, uh, another guy that we traded this year is Randy Ariz, uh, Arizina, or, or however he, you pronounce it. He went to Tampa Bay and, like, led the playoffs in home runs and just played amazing. So we let those guys uh, both go. So I, I'd love to see us not do that
1: yeah that, i understand that i know how that is i mean that's my packers in the N- nfl letting free agents walk, and then letting them watch them blossom but going back really fast you know i just keep thinking about it yeah jt rio with the yankees would be very scary and i do not want to see that because that makes a lot of sense and that's the last thing is the yankees needing another freaking power player on their roster um if uh i'll go ahead and jump in before passing it off to uh tyler and his reds uh funny enough that uh Alexis had to say his name, you know, because in talking about trades, uh, I would like to bring Adam Wainwright home. He is a brave. We drafted him and we traded him to the Cardinals. Uh, The Braves obviously was massively hurting for uh, some senior pitching over the playoffs. So I'd love to bring in uh, Adam Wainwright for a one year deal to help uh, shore up that pitching, because it's not like we need a true ace in the front when Soroka comes back healthy with Max Fried and Ian Anderson. We just need that, you know, Guy who can pitch some innings to be in an eater and get us some wins, and help that uh you know be a veteran in the bullpen. So I would love to bring in Adam Wainwright. Um, you know everybody wants to keep talking about Marcel Ozuna. I mean I wouldn't mind that. Definitely if uh the NL keeps the DH position around for uh the foreseeable future, then it sounds like they're going to, but uh I'm not gonna want to overpay Marcel Ozuna because I'd much rather give that money to uh. Freddie Freeman, who's his contract's coming up here soon, and if I was uh besides talking about Adam Wainwright or another uh pitcher, maybe like Trevor Bauer, and bring him into uh, Atlanta, but uh my big free agency uh I would want the pa- uh, Braves to do this offseason is giving Freddie Freeman his rightfully due contract extension. So on that note, Tyler, what are you doing
0: for your Reds? Well, number one priority has to has to be bringing back. Trevor Bauer Um, you know I mean he's the best pitcher in the NL this year and I mean he's a very pivotal piece Um, the res rotation was really good this year and you know he's the number one reason why so come hell or high water they have to figure out a way to be able to bring him back even if it is only for a year or two at a time Um, because I know that we we've heard that he um, might not be willing to take like a long term deal, um, and if that's the case, no matter what you have to do, just you got to bring them back one way or the other.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Chris, what are you gonna do with your San Diego Padres? There, who are you bring in?
4: Most uh, of all, you know, talking about teams that let players walk and become stars see that all the time and individual. Um. Anyway. Trevor Ballard, uh, comes to mind, um, maybe a guy like Toy Hoover, who the Texas Rangers opted out of his contract, so he wasn't coming back to, to Texas, so I think Toy Hoover was the national pickup that you could get on the team. And then, you know, you gotta find the Fernando Taxis for a long term contract. Let him out years
1: ago. Yeah. You would like to get him to a Ron Kunu contract, but that boy's not taking that cheap of a deal.
4: Hell no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's why I love Okunu, too, man. Him taking that small deal to stay in Atlanta for the next 10 years was amazing.
4: I feel like he might do a little keep running contract just so he can get, you know, win. That's fun.
1: Yeah. But, uh, okay, we'll go on to our next uh, mailbag question. And uh, this is a good one, and I like it a lot. Uh, Did Josh Allen prove he's elite by playing out Russell Wilson this uh, Sunday? Uh, Jake, what do you think? Did Josh Allen prove himself?
3: No. No, I I don't think he did. Um, I think this is somebody that has shown you at the beginning, you know, he really turned it on. Uh, I was starting to really, you know, start to look twice and be like, hmm, But he kind of slowed down a little bit. And against the 31st or I think now 32nd best pass defense in the league, I'm not going to give him that much credit. Uh, Because I think Jared Goff next week is going to win against Seattle. I think he is going to have a day against them. And I I don't think Jared Goff is elite. So I I think this this is the defense that you can throw all you want on them. You can run down their throat. 44 points given up to the Bills. I mean, obviously, you have to give him credit, um, but I don't think Josh Allen is the lead. I think he still gets himself into way too many issues, um, and I still think that, you know, if he continued on the path he was on after the Rams game, um, he definitely would have had an argument, but I just saw him kind of fall off afterwards and and go back to making, you know, the the poor decisions that he's made before. So um, I don't think it's an awful question, Um, And I do think, you know, the Bills defense, this is a defense I said coming in the year, coming into this year was the best in the league, I really believe in Sean McDermott. Now it hasn't turned out that way. uh, But I think this was more so about the Bills, um, you know, defense showing up, although they did give up, you know, quite a few points to the Seahawks, but they are a talented offense. I think this is more about the, the Bills coming together fully. Um, than it was about Josh Allen, you know, being elite. Because I do think that Russell Wilson, you know, playing without Chris Carson, playing without Carlos Hyde, uh, Rashad, I mean, they've lost so many running backs. I know he has all those receivers, but you have to keep in mind, you know, what the Bills had in that secondary. Uh, I think Russell Wilson is starting to feel the effects of, you know, pretty much holding everything on his back. Uh, You know, he's seeing what it's like to be Dak Prescott earlier in the year. Uh, with that, you know, putrid Cowboys defense. Um, you know, Dak Prescott was on pace to have over 6,000 passing yards. So I, I think Russell Wilson's finally feeling the effects of that. And, uh, you know, he's he's about to play in a game that is super important because the Seahawks lose to the Rams. The so Rams take control of uh, the NFC West. Uh, but as far as to answer your question, no, I don't believe Josh Allen proved he's elite. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, I think he's proven that, but he still has not won a playoff game and, uh, you know, against the the better teams in the league, he doesn't have the greatest record either.
1: Yeah. He's still I, I, you, I pretty much everything you said, I think you just knocked it out of the park with Josh Allen. I am a Josh Allen, uh, truther. I thought Josh Allen was the best quarterback coming out of his class, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold um he's proved that he's the best quarterback in his draft and you by his play over the years i mean he's the only one who's really got his team to the playoffs so far out of the big three um josh allen just had a day i think josh allen is a top average quarterback as of right now you know he's a top 15 quarterback in the league he uh plays really well against bad teams and okay against good teams and sometimes bad against good teams uh the Seahawks secondary and defense is just uh, putrid right now. That's why the Seahawks aren't really going to be a contender because of that defense. Um, Josh Allen did have a great day, but you know, one thing I think you, uh, another reason he did kind of have a little stumbled at the beginning of the season. And I think it's very uh, noticeable is that when John Brown is out of that offense, that offense has a major different look. I think, John, uh, John Brown doesn't get the attention that he deserves as a wide receiver and how important he is to that offense. So uh, once John Brown finally came back, uh, Josh Allen definitely uh, got some confidence or some mojo back. I really think John Brown is a big key to this offense and definitely helps Josh Allen a lot. Alexis, what do you think about the question?
2: Well, I'm a really big Josh Allen fan. I mean, I've been a Josh Allen fan since you know the draft process. Uh, you know, when he's coming out of college and, um, you know, I have a pretty a pretty good record on saying nice things about Josh Allen. I don't necessarily think that he's elite yet. I don't know if he's played long enough for that to really be a question, but, you know, I definitely think he's on his way. I wouldn't say so based on the game against the Seahawks. Um, that's not really what I would base my decision about uh, Josh Allen on. But I do think um, – he's a really good quarterback and, you know, I think he obviously has a lot of mistakes that he makes that he needs to correct. Um, He's definitely getting there. I mean, he's, he's not there by any means yet, but I really like Josh Allen. I really love how the Buffalo Bills have built their football team over the past couple of years. I think they've done a great job both in the draft and free agency. Um, I think that um, there's a couple more things they could do to maybe help Josh Allen out a little bit more, but I think the thing with him is a lot of the mistakes that he makes are just uh, think that he needs to correct himself. I think obviously the accuracy issue is probably the biggest one and, and the thing that people criticize him uh, most about. But, yeah, you know, I definitely think he, he's on his way. I don't know if he's there yet. Um, I, I, and I think the game against Seattle is probably not the game. If I were to pull up a game to highlight Josh Allen, it, it wouldn't be that. But, um, you know, I think, I think that he's almost there. I, I don't think he's there yet.
1: Yeah, you know, that was the big thing about Josh Allen, about his his accuracy. I mean, yeah, he definitely shows it at times. But I I do have to say this year, nobody said this could ever be done because Josh Allen wasn't this type of quarterback. But at this year right now, his completion rating is at 67.1. It does almost 10 points more or 8 points more than what it was in his career in his previous seasons. Josh Allen has definitely made a lot of work on his accuracy. And I think it just needs to be noted that, Josh Allen has worked on it, unlike uh, let's say a running back, quarterback in Lamar Jackson. And uh on that note, Tyler, what do you think?
0: Yeah, definitely a running back. But anyways, um I uh definitely I mean Josh Allen is not on the same level as uh Russell Wilson yet. Um, you know, we also, like you guys have mentioned, we gotta factor in the defense that Russell Wilson played against today compared to the one that Josh Allen played against because the Seahawks defense is, is just terrible. Um, you know, Josh Allen might get to that uh, conversation um, as an elite quarterback at some point, but like as we sit here today, um, I don't believe that he is an um, elite quarterback yet and, and definitely not on the level that Russell Wilson is.
1: And uh, Chris, what do you have on Josh Allen?
4: Oh, uh, let's what? see, today he was 7138, 116 yards, and touchdown. He got sacked seven times. The he has got seven stats, I didn't even know they had a pass for us. Carl
1: Lawson, baby, Carl Lawson.
4: Yeah, well, anyway, he still let them up. If he's not yet, but, you know, he's making sure. He's nothing better than one more 50 percent in rate. So, if he on Martin Wilson's level yet, if he on Aaron Rodgers' level, no. But I'll take him over half of that from
1: the Yeah, it's definitely same here. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to the games of the week. Um, and we'll go ahead and start with the Ravens versus the Colts. I'm not going to lie. I uh, didn't get to watch much football this week. I was at a music dinner theater with the family all the way from grandparents to cousins, to nephews and uncles and aunts. So uh, I'm a little uh, out of my depth this week on the game. So I'll just go ahead and pass it off to Jake. Jake, what do you have on the Ravens Colts game?
3: Yeah, so this is a game where, you know, the Colts came in at home, you know, look at feeling good at 5-2, you know, Michael Pittman Jr., they were going to get heavily involved in the offense, uh, but uh, of course, being able to play was
4: kind of huge as well. However, uh, the Ravens' defense at the end of the
3: day uh, is the story in this one. Uh, The Colts' defense is very good, and I think they'll continue to be good uh, with Everflus, but um, the Ravens defense, you know, really did a nice job. You know, turned over Philip Rivers, uh, and they needed to because you know Lamar Jackson, uh, despite the fact that I don't think he played bad, uh, I think the game plan in this one, uh, you'll see it ever so often. Even when you have an elite quarterback or you have a dynamic quarterback, the game plan will be conservative if it needs to be. It's all about the W. And so, if you are a stats guy, Lamar Jackson played bad. If you are somebody that believes in just winning the game and getting out with a W on the road, then he played exactly what he needed to do. 19 of 23, 170 yards, didn't have a touchdown or interception because um, you know he had a touchdown on the ground. And then they used Gus Edwards as well as J.K. Dobbins on the ground. Gus Edwards punched it in. Uh, this was the game plan all along. Uh, you know the Ravens moved to six and two, and this is part of the reason why they're four and zero on the road. They just do enough to win the game. Um, you know, you talk about that, that strip set or uh, the the fumble, um, you know, that Chuck Clark, he actually had two recoveries in this game, which is incredible, um, but he actually got touchdown this one. So, you know, Chuck Clark on the defense, Uh big game for Malik Harrison, um, who I, he's been kind of overshadowed because of how good of a season um, that Patrick Queen has had, but this was a big game for Malik Harrison, who got in the, uh, the tackle box um, big time with 11 in this one. Um, Marcus Peters had an interception that was huge, and they ended up winning 24-10. to um, They pulled away in the fourth quarter. I-, I think Indianapolis, you know, with a uh, you know, 10-7 lead at the half, I think they were feeling good, um, obviously being a- at home. But this is exactly what the Ravens do, you know. And they're not built to come from behind. So they like to basically milk the lead a little bit and, and you know, they like to take time off the clock. Um, they're just not a dynamic pass in offense. I don't know if they ever will be. I think they really just want to be a balanced attack and uh, you know, that's how they called the, uh, you know, their game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely agree with a lot of what you said there. Uh, my big thing is, why are you going to draft and take a running back in the second round for only a Gus Edwards undrafted guy to run the ball right in front of him? I don't get the – Totally. It's, it's ridiculous. And I, I think that running back committee is actually
3: a problem. And, and I know it's working for them, but I think they're holding back Lamar Jackson. I think they're holding back J.K. Dobbins. And I think they're holding back uh, a passing attack that does have guys like Marquise Brown mark andrews and i think miles boykin can play i know alexis would attest to that so i agree with you i and they got Devin duvernay as well so i agree with you i i think it was a wasted pick if you're just going to use him in a running back by committee with gus Edwards. Who i swear they can't make up their minds whether they want this guy out of the the lineup or they want him in it Um, but he started this game
1: yeah 11 carries for uh 23 yards 2.1 average that's not very good my problem with running back committees, most of the times I know my Packers are on one with Aaron Jones and uh, Jamal Adams. Usually the players have to usually be in it, and you don't want to be favorites. And it doesn't seem like the Ravens are one of those teams. It seems like the players always want to be on the field, and they're more selfish. And some running backs, like J.K. Dobbins, they need the workload. They need to get going. You can't just let them, like, oh, okay, we're going to give you 10 carries today, and uh, oh, you didn't do much. Well, Well, we're done with you. You know, you have to let some of these running backs Play throughout the game because you know sometimes it's them breaking out and playing every down and hitting the ball twenty times. That when they start breaking out and doing well, so I've always had a problem with the RBBCs. But uh, Alexis, what do you have on the Ravens? Uh, Colts.
2: So I was not able to watch that game, Um so I, I'm not really sure, you know, what happened too much during the game. But I will say that I do like the Ravens. Um, a lot in the AFC. Um, I know that, that they've had some minor struggles, but going up against the Colts, they were a team that I predicted to beat the Colts. And I do think that the running back situation is very interesting in Baltimore because I as well am really confused why we haven't seen more JK Dobbins. Um, it's just confusing to me. Um, you know, other than that, I can't speak too much in the game because I didn't see it. Um, but I do think that that Baltimore is a very talented team. I think the Colts are too. I don't know if they're necessarily at the level of Baltimore, Um, but you know, you've got Jonathan Taylor on the Colts, who was my running back uh, number one um, in the draft this year. And then you've got JK Dobbins uh, who was my number two. So, um, you know, I would have hoped that they, they would have showcased Dobbins more.
1: Yeah. And talk about another one that you wish that they would showcase the Jonathan Stewart or Jonathan Taylor a little bit more. He's not getting a lot, you know, for being the second running back taken off the board. Um, yeah, I mean, this th- it makes no sense because every team that took a running back in the second round this year uh, pretty much just said, yeah, we're going to waste this pick on a running back and we're not going to use them. All the way from your Rams to my Packers. So uh, it's just a fun time to be a team who drafted a running back in the second round. Uh, Tyler, what do you have on the Ravens-Colts?
0: Yeah, I watched a little bit of this game. Um, I didn't find it to be super entertaining. Um, the Ravens defense controlled, you know, pretty much the whole game. And, um, but, you know, I, I, I like the Colts a little bit though. I mean, they, they have, you know, a long way to go. Like, I feel like they really could use like a, a big time weapon at wide receiver. Um, PY Hilton didn't play today, obviously, but they, they seem to, like, they, Phillip Rivers and T.Y. T. Y. Hilton don't seem to be clicking anyways. Um, I think that's, like, the number one thing that they're missing um, right now as a team. Um, but I think they'll be okay moving forward, assuming that um, T.Y. Hilton and, and Rivers can get somewhat on the same page.
1: Yeah, I think you uh, nailed it on the head. I never even thought about it until then. Yeah, T, uh, some reason Phillip doesn't like going to T.Y., and you think he would. He did it all the time in uh, San Diego, now Los Angeles with uh, Keenan Allen. And I mean, I would almost sometimes argue when TY is healthier, he might be a better uh, wide receiver. But uh, Chris, what do you have on the Ravens uh, Colts game?
4: I mean, TY Hilton's more but yeah, he's not, he's not like renowned, not a route runner. Well, it's pretty and it's all about trust you for that. You that. No trust in, obviously. Um, first of all, the reason like Dr. Taylor doesn't get more like, carries is because he the football. And that was one of the big turning points of the game is Dr. Taylor stumbles the ball and they return it for to a touchdown. And then Phillip really Rivers was laying on the floor trying to tackle the guy. I don't know what he's doing, but it wasn't it. Um, the way that defense is good, obviously we all know that, um, Mike Harrison finally filled up, yay! He probably has been a starting linebacker on, on most teams, but yeah, he's getting overshadowed by Pat McQueen, Cat McQueen, um, uh, I, I think you, something. I, totally I, I'm I
1: think there. you guys are, uh, underestimating He's not being overshadowed by Patrick Queen. He's being showed out by Waynesville alumni, my friend and a good uh, player I used to play with on the Waynesville high school football team, LJ Fort, who's having a hell of a season with the Baltimore Ravens. And Malik Harrison is not being able to outproduce LJ Fort. So, right, just, right, right. just got to make sure you guys get that right. It's not Patrick Queen that's outperforming him, it's LJ Fort.
4: Oh, and, and here's my point. Look, look. Among that, the passing attack in the crack in quotations, passing the crack from, from the latest, it's never been like Arizona Hornos or Lindsay happens. They're missing, again, it's just like Tyler was saying about the whole. They're missing somebody on the outside. They don't have a big guy. They have Devin Duvine, he's a guy. They have Sneed, he's not this guy. They have uh, Hollywood Brown. Again, he's not a guy. There's oh. no this guy on the team besides my English. That's Bryant. Okay, he's lost up. Come on. <laughs> well,
1: I had to bring it up, you know. He is a big guy, and he was activated for this game, so. Did he, put, did
4: he get a snap?
1: I honestly don't know. That, that, I'm curious if anybody knows if he did get a snap or not. I didn't watch the game. I'm trying to look to see if he had any targets, and it doesn't look like he had any targets. So I bet he, I bet he didn't even get on the field.
4: Yeah, um, so that's
1: on not. Yeah. Well, Miles Boykin's a big boy. He's
4: he 6'4". Is, yeah, but like, it's not like. I get what, what you're happens. saying.
1: He, yeah, he, he's not he's not lived up to his expectations as a wide receiver. No, um, I'm surprised because you know my uh you want we wanted to talk about the wide receivers. You know, Marquise Brown is kind of. I think he's frustrated with. Uh, I, mean, I think he is frustrated with Lamar Jackson. He they're uh, not in sync. they're not in sync. I don't think Lamar. I don't think Marquise Brown likes Lamar because Lamar can't throw the ball deep. Um, and you know that's what Marquise Brown is good at. He if he can get him the ball, he's gonna pretty much outbeat anybody. And uh, I you know I just think uh, there's no connection or chemistry between those two right now. And I was curious to see if uh, Marquise was gonna get a lot of targets or uh. Have a big game, and he only had five targets for three catches and 38 yards after you know kind of being a squeaky is,
4: wheel. Went, uh, the squeaky wheel.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mark Andrews, Willie, Willie Sneed had four targets. Let's go. I mean, Nick Boyle had four targets. I mean, really, come on, let's go ahead and say you're not getting your best playmaker the ball enough or targeted enough there, Lamar. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to the next game of the week. Uh, we've talked about it already a little bit because of our uh, second mailbag question of Josh Allen, but uh, the Seahawks versus the Bills. This was a really good game. I wish I got to see it because I was just trying to, you know, use ESPN and sports track and watch this game because I, I predicted the Bills in a prediction uh, you know, a pick 'em league. I predicted the Bills to win this game. And at the last second I said, no, I need to be safe. I have the lead. Let me switch over to the Seahawks. And the Bills, what my gut, I went against my gut, uh. So uh, this game would have been awesome to watch, but I'll go ahead and pass it off to Jake and uh, get his uh, thoughts on the Seahawks Bills.
3: Yeah, it was uh, it was a crazy game. Um, you know, I think the the Bills took over. Um, you know, it was a twenty four ten ball game at the half, and you know, I thought the Seahawks did a nice job trying to get back into it. It's just, it, it's kind of too hard though. You know, you're you're on the road and. You know, Josh Allen's just sling it all over your defense, and there's not really, you know, much you can do. Of course, you know, Russell Wilson rarely turns the ball over four times in a game. So that definitely had to do with it. On top of it, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Russell Wilson's running backs were out, both, uh, you know, Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde, who I think is underrated. Uh, DJ Dallas, who I like, they just didn't use in this one. I think they got down too early, and they didn't feel like they could go back to the running game. Um, You know, Alex Collins even got some, uh, you know, you got two carries in this game, Travis Homer, they used, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think it came to the fact, you know, Tyler Lockett was unable to to really get going, and he's somebody I think they they need. Uh, I think he plays off of all the, um, you know, all the attention that DK Metcalf gets, and I think you know, not getting Tyler Lockett going hurt them. Uh, Netcap was still impressive, you know, so I'm not going to say that, you know, he didn't get going because he had over 100 yards and a touchdown. David Moore's been playing well over the last three weeks. Um, but this defense is just abysmal. And they really are. Uh, they are giving up an incredible amount of points. Um, and and it's just it doesn't end. So, you know, it's great that you got Jamal Adams back. It's great that you made the trade for Carlos Dunlap, um, but we're just not seeing any improvement. And there's a good chance that, you know, once they acclimated, you know, I'll give Jamal Adams, uh, you know, some credit or rather an excuse, the fact that, you know, he's just coming back off injury. Um, And Carlos Dunlap is brand new. But I still think this defense is just not Super Bowl worthy. Um, I've said that, I think that's the only thing that really holds back the Seahawks. And I think, you know, Russell Wilson was playing at just a ridiculous clip. And, um, you know, for me, I I don't think even Russell Wilson can, you know, consistently play at that level. Uh, so I think you're, you're starting to see him come down a little bit from earth, uh, come back to earth rather. Um, Josh Allen played well against the bad defense and, you know, the bills are seven and two and they're now, they've beaten both the Seahawks and the Rams. Um, at home, uh, impressive wins, and uh, you know this is a team that you know they, they're starting to, to feel Miami coming. So this is a this is a huge win for them, winning forty four to thirty four um, at home, taking care of business because Miami also had a huge win with two Tua Tagovailoa on the road against Arizona. And uh, you know that that I'll, I'll say that right now. Uh, you know everyone was talking about the Patriots for the last decade. And now it's become the Bills and the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, that's going to come down to the wire because, you know, Tua really had that offense moving. Um, they didn't even have their starting running back in Miles Gaskin. And their defense, um, you know, with Brian Flores, I just think is, is just doing an incredible job this season. They're allowing one of the – I think, if not the fewest, they're one of the, the fewest um, in, you know, giving up points this year. So, the defense has been feisty. And I I just think, you know, at the end of the day, this is a huge win for the Bills. And this is a bad loss for Seattle. I know they were on the road, but, you know, you have to figure out a a way to win this game in a really tight race in the FC West. And uh, and that's the thing. The Bills took care of business and the Seahawks didn't. So, you know, they find themselves next week playing for, uh, you know, to hold on to first place against the Rams. And uh, the Bills find themselves um, ahead, but. You know, they're gonna to have to keep winning and keep taking care of business. Otherwise Miami is going to catch up. They're they've looked very impressive over the last four weeks.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with Miami. Miami has looked really well and it kinda of scary. I mean, I think the only thing they don't have to worry about is it's nothing against Tua. Tua's just still a rookie. I mean, sooner or later he's gonna have his hiccups make the mistakes and lose a couple of games. I think this is the Bills division for this field foreseeable future. I think the Bills easily win this division and move on to the playoffs, but, uh, going back to, uh, Russell Wilson before handling off Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, but he has always been a quarterback who relies a lot on the run game. And it's shown every time when he loses a running back and his running backs get hurt and they don't have a good running game, he struggles a little bit more. He still performs well, but he struggles. He struggles with his passing game. He gets sacked more. He starts doing the turnovers. He has always been a quarterback who needed a good run game to be a great quarterback. And it's, it's been showing over the last couple of weeks without his running backs being uh, performing, you know, no Chris Carson, no Carlos Hyde, who I also agree is underrated and don't understand why he doesn't get a little bit more love to be at least a a first, you know, running back one for a team, because I think he can be that he's been proven. He could do that. He had a thousand yards on the Houston Texans last year. But moving on, uh, Alexis, what do you have on the Seattle Bill game?
2: So this is another game I was unable to actually watch, but I was getting updates on my phone and I was watching clips on Twitter. Um, Obviously, going into the game, I was cheering for the Bills. I mean, the Seahawks are in the Rams division. So, you know, I'm always cheering for them to lose. Um, And I also, like I mentioned earlier, I do like Josh Allen. I do like the Bills. Um, I wasn't surprised. You know, it was a a high-scoring game. Um, I figured it would probably be a high-scoring game. Um, I think what it, what it came down to is I think that the Seahawks' defense um, is just bad, um, and I think that their offense, for whatever reason, struggled at times in the Bills, uh, just has better momentum, and they play better. And Again, I didn't watch the game, so I, cu- I couldn't you know, tell you specifics, but I, I think it could have gone either way. I think both of the teams overall are pretty good teams, um, So n- no result would have surprised me, but I was happy that the Bills
1: won. Yeah, I agree with a lot with Alexa saying. The one thing I knew, like I I didn't get to watch the game either. Like Alexa was, uh, I knew when I saw the score, I knew the, I knew for a fact that the Seahawks would make at least some somewhat of a comeback and make it a game, and they did. So I mean, it was never going to be a blowout. The Seahawks are still too good on offense, even without their running backs, to be blown out and not at least be competitive on offense. Tyler, what do you have on the game?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, Wilson, Russell Wilson, he didn't play well here today at all. And, um, you know, which is somewhat rare because, I mean, he, he's he been so good for so long. And, you know, but the, the thing about it is got to give the Bills some credit. But, man, that Seattle defense is just so bad. And um, before the season started in our prediction show, I had the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. And, and with as bad as that defense is, it, it's getting harder and harder to uh, believe that that's a possibility, um, because I really didn't think their defense would be anywhere near this bad. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's not good for them, obviously. That you know, their defense is absolutely horrid, and it showed today. Um, you know, the Bills, they have some talent on offense, obviously, there's no doubt about that, but I mean, their their defense is just a big-time problem for them.
1: Yeah, it's going to definitely be a trouble for the Seahawks down the road, which will make uh, our Rams fans here a little happy, knowing that uh, the Seahawks probably won't be going far with that defense unless something changes. And uh, just a quick update before giving it over to Chris about the game. Uh, four of us five were pretty much uh, not doing well on this um, Sunday night football game. The Saints are up 13-0 already at the end of the first quarter. Um, Chris, what do you have on uh, the Bill Seahawks game?
4: First of y'all are disrespectful, but um, don't worry. The button is a little bit close at the end. Um, Russell Wilson really struggled in this game. The reason why they fell behind is because, well, obviously, the defense is terrible. But Russell Wilson turned the ball over in the red zone twice. And so they missed two opportunities to make the game. Even closer than it was at the end. So, so and that, Russell Wilson off the and turning the ball over. And him? Yeah,
1: it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Russell Wilson turning over the ball. Like I said, when he doesn't have his run game, he is a different quarterback. He, you know, I, I mean, it's just him and Pete Carroll. They rely so much on that run game, and when they have to abandon their run, it is a different offense and a different feel for them. So, uh, and Russell Wilson lately, I mean, this is back-to-back weeks with multiple, or not multiple, but back-to-back weeks now. He's had turnovers in the red zone, you know, against the Arizona Cardinals, you know, he had the I big mean, turnover. Guess, but
4: I guess they're lucky that the Arizona Cardinals lost because, uh, they really didn't lose any ground as far as the division
1: goes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's luckily for them. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to the last game of the week, uh, and I'll go ahead and let uh, Chris start about this because I know he probably just has some venting to go on. Um, but the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Las Vegas Raiders, um, what do you have, Chris? How do you feel?
4: How do I feel? What do you like? How do feel? man. Why, I, why am I not surprised that it came down to the final play and something happened? Uh, yeah. Don't call him. All you have to do is hold on to the ball. Once again, you know, nothing and it looked like almost towards ACL or something. And comes back in the game and has a very heroic performance again. And then he sort you no, know, letting them down. Yeah,
1: I mean his defense keeps letting them down.
4: Yeah, you no, know, actually they, have, they have had they had the lead much Yeah, yeah, they uh, it
1: was a uh, it was, I got to watch the most of the second half of this game because it was close and I knew we talked about it because and uh, I mean Justin Herbert is definitely the truth, but my biggest thing and I I was texting you guys about the game. You know, Mike Williams could have had a touchdown at the end too. And all Michael Williams does is go for a catch, fall down, and get hurt. Like his whole career is like I'm oh, telling man. you, if I'm a Chargers fan, I'm like or a Chargers player, I'm like, dude, really? Again? Like every time you go up for the ball, it's like 80 20 that you're gonna go come down hurt. It's he's like made it laugh. Yeah, it's it's frustrating to watch Mike Williams. He's he's so hit or miss, and most of the time he's miss. Uh, like I said, I was high and bullish on the Raiders. The Raiders have looked good. They're still playing well. well,
4: Der- look, well
1: yeah, uh, Anthony they're Lynn is. Def-
4: yeah,
1: Derek. Carr. I'm, I've always liked Derek Carr. No, you're fine. You're more than welcome to kick in. This is your time too. Um, I was high on Derek Carr. Uh, and everybody always wanted to judge him, and. uh, That He's not a good quarterback. I mean, definitely after last year, you didn't have much of a leg to stand on if you're a Derek Carr fan, but he's definitely proven himself. When he finally has the weapons to go deep, he will go deep. And uh, Nelson Aguilar is having an amazing scene for the Raiders. I mean, you know, the Eagles are probably regretting that one.
4: Yeah, all the Eagles fans are like, what was this?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I wanted him to be a Packer. You know, I was high on – I like Aguilar. I like most USC uh, wide receivers, to be honest. They they usually uh, are productive in the NFL. Um, but Anthony Lynn's not due for the uh, Chargers next year. They'll definitely move on and probably do what the Dallas Cowboys do. They probably won't fire him, but they'll probably just let his contract expire at the end of the year and go bring somebody else in. Um,
4: oh, I got one more thing. Go ahead. I am want to say uh, a weekly update. Adam Gase can you know you know spell
1: that. Yes, thank yeah. you. Yes, yes. Our weekly update that has become a new segment. Adam Gase, yes, still a head coach. Um, but <laughs> you threw me off. I wasn't ready for that. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pass it along. Uh, Jake, what do you have on the Chargers Raiders game? Yeah, it was an
3: exciting game. Uh, you know, I think Derek Carr and the Raiders have been surprising this year. Five and three, uh, four and one on the road. Uh, more importantly. You know, they've gotten some great production out of uh, Nelson Aguilar. Um, Of course, Darren Waller is the truth, and and he has been. Um, Henry Ruggs has been a little bit of a disappointment, although they haven't really used him. So I don't know how much is on him or how much is on the play calling. The Raiders, despite being five and three, confuse me. They have Josh Jacobs, um, who is one of the best running backs in football, and he only gets – now he got 14 carries and, you know, was out carried by – Devante Booker, I mean, he didn't have more carries than him, but he had a better game than him in yards per carry wise. Um, so I don't know what's going on there. Booker's somebody that the Broncos drafted and really didn't give him much of a, a you know chance to really compete. Um, and then you, you know Josh Jacobs is somebody that's already shown you a you know, thousand yard rusher's rookie year. It's just surprising to see that they don't really use him as often. Um, but the Raiders, they're five and three. And, you know, the Chargers here are two and six. They're one and three at at home. Um, It's unfortunate. They're a really fun team to watch. And, you know, they just collapse. And it's it's been that way for a while. They just collapse in in the final, uh, you know, minutes of the game. Um, It was nice to see Kalen Balaj out there, Except the fact they just dropped him from my Dynasty team, I think, earlier this week. Um, So, you know, nice to see him. Um, You know, obviously, Keenan Allen, Another really good game. Mike Williams, I resonate 100% with what you were saying about Ma- Mike Williams. It seems like he makes a really nice acrobatic catch, and then he gets hurt. Um, you know, I-, I really like the guy, and I think he has the potential to be a superstar. But he just, I don't think Glover ever amount to that because, you know, he broke his neck in college, and he's had all sorts of, uh, you know, injuries. You mentioned that you saw hard knocks. So you probably saw when, you know, he made a routine diving grab and was, like, out. Um, you know, so it's, that's just been kind of the name of the game with him. Um, but I do like that, you know, Justin Herbert week in and week out shows you he's very good with decision-making. He hasn't, you know, really created too many turnovers. Um, and he gives them every opportunity to win every game, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, Justin Herbert is what you want in a franchise quarterback, and there's a good chance that he already might be the best quarterback in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a good chance. I mean, Jared Goff doesn't – is not the same type of quarterback uh, Herbert is. Um, yeah, I think you said everything out of the park there. I won't add much more. Uh, Alexis, what do you have on that game?
2: I honestly don't really know much about that game. Um, another game that I wasn't able to watch. Um, but as far as what I know about both of the teams, I think that they're both pretty good. I think that the Chargers are actually a lot better than people give them credit for. I think Justin Herbert – uh is a stud and I think he's going to be really good in this league for a long time and I agree I think right now he's honestly probably one probably the best quarterback uh, in LA um and and I really like the Chargers as a team I love their coach. um I I just I think they're a really solid team and I think they're underrated but I think the Raiders are pretty underrated too I, I think that they have a lot of talent that kind of goes under the radar um which Jake kind of touched on um you know, I think the Chargers are a better team, um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I wish I could have watched that game. I think that the AFC West is an interesting uh, division. I think the Chiefs are obviously going to take that division, but I think that the Chargers and the Raiders are definitely going to fight for that second spot.
1: Yeah, I the for our prediction shows, I actually had the Raiders making the playoffs. I had them as a nine and seven team, uh, the the eighth team sneaking into the playoffs. I was really bullish and I really liked them. I think John Gruden's a good head coach. I like Derek Carr. I like what they did. I am shocked what Jake is saying. I don't understand why they're not giving Josh Jacobs more of the rock and more of the totes and giving him the ball. I mean, it's frustrating. Devontae Booker has been proven that he's not a great running back yet. Yeah, he had a good day, but Josh Jacobs is ten times the running back than he is. So, so they'll see that Devontae Booker is getting those carries and those catches over Josh Jacobs is frustrating. Uh, Henry Ruggs not being utilized as much is kind of weird too. You you know you took him over C. D. Lamb, over Jerry Judy, over Justin Jefferson, and you're not using the guy. I mean, so it, it's kind of weird. I don't I mean, but it's working for them. They're five and three. They're going to keep winning. I think they'll definitely sneak in. So, uh, Tyler, what do you have on that game?
0: Yeah, um, actually I didn't really get to see this one, um, but. I I mean, I, I every week I say this, like, Justin Herbert, like, every week just proves that he's going to be a really good quarterback in the NFL, and I think that's, like, that's obviously a good thing, but that team is letting him down, um, it seems like, you know, even when he is playing well, they're not able to pull the wins out for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, that's why, my point with uh, Anthony Lynn, Anthony Lynn can't win, he, I liked him. I was a high believer on him, but after watching Hard Knocks and watching more and more this season, Anthony Lynn is not the answer for the Chargers in the future. Uh, I think if you keep him around, you're just going to kind of waste uh, Justin Herbert, like the Packers did with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's you know you just do the right thing. You just don't give. You just don't fire him. You know, let him walk away and go become a head coach because he will get another head coaching job. Um, but you just let him walk away like the uh, Cowboys did with uh, Jason Garrett. Don't give him a new contract, and you go get somebody else. Some, if it's defense or offense, somebody who can come help more, Justin Herbert, because, I mean, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are definitely the future uh, Tom Brady and uh, Peyton Manning. I mean, that's how I can see it. I mean, how well they have been playing, it could easily be, you know, those two for the next, you know, 10, 15 years, the Herbert Burrow. So, uh, Chris, what do you have on the game? I, do you have anything else before I wrap it up? I, I mean,
4: say? yeah, obviously, anyway, I have to go. Um, just another real deal. I'm trying to with It's like the best draft class in, like, the past
1: 20 years. Yeah, it's, the, it's definitely the Philip Rivers, Big Ben, Eli Manning draft class.
4: Uh, One more thing I'd like to say is just uh, Bradley and yeah, I
1: like him too. Yeah, whole new ho- coaching staff in line Yeah,
4: there, whole. Sta- I want a whole new staff. I want
1: three Yeah, I'll take Anthony Lynn. I'll let uh, I'll let uh, Atlanta Falcons take Nathaniel Hackett as our their head coach, and uh, we'll bring in Anthony Lynn as our OC. Um, but uh, that's it for today's episode. I would like to thank uh, Jake and Alexis the downtown sporting network uh coming on to our podcast today we really appreciate it um if you have anything to say i'll go ahead and pass it off to you guys right now uh jake yeah
3: man um you know, really appreciate you having us both on um you know we had fun and uh you know if if your listeners want to check us out uh downtown sports network www.downtownsportsnetwork.com uh, downtown um, Downtown Rams and Downtown Sports Network are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find me at jkbogan DTSN. You can uh, find Alexis Craft at the Alexis Craft on Twitter. Um, I think I I got everything. Alexis, if I didn't, you know, feel free to throw something out
1: there.
2: Now that sounds well, good to me.
1: Yeah, I definitely uh to all of our uh, followers and listeners on everywhere. Uh, definitely go give them a like and a follow on all their. Uh, uh, streaming services and social media—they're a good follow and listen. They uh, have a lot of good knowledge and uh, just a good follow and good podcasts And their whole network is fun. So uh, go ahead and give them a holler or a follow. Uh, but that's it for this week's episode at the All Time Misted Podcast. This is uh, Brunelli Sports. That's B as in boy. R U N E L L I Sports and uh, Chris.
4: Hey, follow me and play the uh
0: Tyler. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at T underscore demit, and you can follow our um, shows podcast Twitter at uh, AT Misfits Pod.
1: And don't forget to find us on Facebook at the All Time Misfits Podcast and on uh, iTunes. Uh, like and subscribe. Thank you and have a good one. Thanks for listening to the one, two,
4: three, All Time Misfits Podcast.